I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. the most annoying sound like it's just like what why good morning just want to make sure you're awake I did that today because as we continue in our exhale series sometimes there's noises and sounds that we just don't want to hear and in a very very similar way sometimes we don't like what we're hearing from God's truth from God's word sometimes if we're honest it can maybe annoy us it can sometimes bother us and I did that with the balloon because if you're new, we're on this journey where we're um, in this exhale series where we're making God's word. We're talking about God's word is almost like a balloon that he exhaled out of his lungs, that breathing into to his scriptures that we now call the Bible. It, it's, it's a word that will never deflate, never pop, never go out of style, never added or taken away. But sometimes... It can just bother us. It can annoy us when we're hearing things that maybe we don't want to hear. Like, kind of like the sound that we're hearing right now that we're going to, I guess, have to live through because those things are way up there. We'd have to get the lift. So you're just going to have to bear with this annoying sound, I guess, the entire service. Sean, I don't know what we're going to, just got to keep going, I guess. But uh, it is what it is. <laughs> this is going to be tough, isn't it? This is going to be tough. Like, of all times, the batteries go out. Like, come on. Like, I'm just kidding. You can stop playing the MP3. I got gotcha, you, okay? It's just, that was an MP3 we put together. But here's a true story. My lovely sister Carrie, that I love so dearly, she, uh, a few years ago, I went into her house, and that sound was going on. I said, Carrie. Like, can we just change the fire? Can we just change the fire alarm? Just put a new battery in. Like, let's just stop this. She's like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I was like, okay. Six years later, to this day, it's still going. And the thing is, is she doesn't even hear it anymore. And her kids don't hear it anymore. It's like that noise is literally like they don't even recognize it anymore. It's just gone. Now my niece Avery plays with Lena on the computer, and they play this game together on their, what is it, the iPad or something. And now I hear the sound from my sister's house coming through the computer in my house, and it drives me nuts. 
I'm like, would you just please change the batteries, Carrie? And she's just like, it's just still, like they don't even hear it. Now, I tell you that because in the very similar way, oftentimes, God gives us a warning. He gives us sounds from his word. It's alive and living. I always say there's a pulse in the pages. But sometimes after times, we tune it out. And then we don't hear it anymore. And then it's just, it's there. He's like, alert, alert, alert. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to guide you. And then we just like, don't even hear it anymore. And so that's our focus for today is we see the Apostle Paul warning Timothy and warning the church of Ephesus to not tune out the things that you need to tune into. And so we're going to ask ourselves to be honest and say, okay, are there some things in our lives that maybe we've grown numb to that we should be hearing that we're not hearing? And just ask God to open up our hearts, whether you have been following God for decades or Maybe you're still like, no way, or maybe it's just so new to you. Uh, let's all just be open to what God would have us here today. So let me uh, pray for us, and then we'll dive in. So, Father, thank you for again for just uh, getting us here. Thank you for the stories of life change, so powerful, uh, incredible. God, help us to be open to what you want us to hear. Help us to uh, be alerted to things that maybe we've just tuned out. Help us to see it. Help us to hear it. And, uh, God, as always, would you just uh, control my pace as I talk and communicate. And I pray this in the power of your son's amazing name, Jesus. And we all said, amen. Hey, I want to welcome those of you watching live online. And also want to welcome those of you in the room that are Spanish-speaking uh, folks. We're so glad that you're here tuning in with the translation on the earpiece. We're just so glad that you're here joining us. Uh, we'll have some uh, Espanol on the slides there for you. And, uh, but hey, open up a copy of the scriptures, if you will, uh, to the letter of 2 Timothy. And please grab that journal if you've been taking notes. If you didn't bring a journal, then grab your phone to, to take notes and maybe put it on uh, you know, Wi-Fi just so you, or, or turn the alerts off so you don't get distracted. But man, if you, when you write things down, right, it helps you to remember that. So keep writing things down so it can help you keep moving towards God. Why don't I just remind you of where we're at in this, and especially if you're just kind of diving in with this. Uh, we've been on this journey for since January. We're stepping into chapter four today. Come on. I mean, we made it. We're in chapter four. Last chapter, we'll be uh, ending this series on Palm Sunday. Uh, but remember, this is written, inspired by the living God through the Apostle Paul, writing to his mentee, Timothy, to the church of Ephesus. And while he's writing this, he's not just like, like writing this in like a relaxing Starbucks or like a hipster coffee joint or something. He's writing literally in a prison, not in house arrest from before, but he's in a nasty, grimy, smelly prison. Uh, legend says, we're not for sure, uh, that he was in the Mamertine prison, that you can actually go and tour yourself right now. If you wanted to get on an airplane, you can go and see this. Uh, they would lower their prisoners from this hole. They tie them, and then they lower them down into the sewer system. So you can imagine, it's pretty nasty of what was going on down there. And this is where they would be holding. These prisoners would only be here temporarily as they were in line to get executed. So whether it was here or not, so the legend says that Peter uh, was actually there and Paul, but, you know, that's up for debate. But all we do know is that they were in a really rough situation. And even in this rough situation, here you have Paul making the importance of instead of just like, okay, what was me, I'm going to die. He is having the importance of making sure that he wants to pass on these truths. To say, Timothy, stay faithful. Just stick to the fundamentals. Stay faithful. Stick to the fundamentals. Be consistent. And, uh, and so this is where we'll kind of pick up on the journey here. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm ready. 
All right, here we go. It says this, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. The word charge there in the original Greek language really, again, is not just like, remember, like a suggestion. or This is a bold command. This is a forcible command in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. I charge you, and we'll see later how he's charging him to make sure that he's sharing and preaching the truth and the word of God. He says, I charge you in the presence of God of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. And I highlighted the word judge there because when you look at that word judge, you can look at it in two different ways. You can look at it as a kick in the butt, and you can also look at it as, um, as, uh, and as an encouragement, if you will. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a kick in the rear end for us to say that there is so important that as we preach the truth, as we share the word of God, how we will be judged for it. And that's why in Scripture it even says that, you know, not many of you should aspire to be teachers, to be like what I'm doing right now because of the responsibility and the weight and the, the, of how you will be judged at a different level based on what you are communicating. But you're not off the hook, okay, if you're not going to do what I do someday, okay? Uh, all of us are required as Jesus followers. You're a Jesus follower in the room. We are all required to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus, and so we will be judged for our consistency in doing that or lack of consistency in doing that. And the importance of when we share it that we don't water it down and that we preach the entire full truth of it. So there's that judge. But also the other part of this is that um, it's also an encouragement to us that we, as we share the, the, the truth, his word will never return void. And he's the judge, whether people receive it or not. Or, you know, the old saying goes where it says, like, don't kill the messenger. But sometimes it keeps us from wanting to share the truth because we're like, man, I don't want people to think I'm judging them. Don't worry. You're not judging them. God is the ultimate judge, right? And so it's so important that as we share the truth, uh, uh, one of the things that I always say uh, in conversations is actually repeat after me. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. Wrestle with God. Get frustrated with God. It's important for us to, if you hear things that bother you or you're frustrated about God's truth, wrestle with them. It's so, so important. Then it continues. So he says, preach the word. Preach the word. That's like a herald making the announcement, preaching the, the, the scriptures of God's Remember, Jesus said he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. He is the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Then it says, so we preach this word, and then we need to be ready in season and out of season. We need to be ready to do it in season and out of season. Or in other words, when it's convenient or when it's not convenient. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 6 where uh, God was giving a vision to Isaiah. And it, as he gave the vision, he's like, I'm looking for a messenger who will go to Judah and let them know a very specific message. And Isaiah's like, sign me up. I want to be the messenger. Let's go, let's go, let's go. So he starts walking to Judah. He's going to start telling him what the message is. And then he's like, what is the message? And he says, well, the people of Judah, they haven't, uh, they've been, they, they, they don't, they're not hearing what I've been telling them. They've been coming deaf in a sense. They, they're, they're, not, they're not seeing what I've been telling them to, to see, so they've been going blind. So basically I want to tell them that I'm basically going to basically destroy their city. 
I wonder if Isaiah was like, you know what, maybe you should send a different messenger. You know, like, that's not so convenient. And so it's this, again, this reminder for us to, to share the truth in season and out of season. When it's convenient, like today, right, we're in a church. It's convenient to talk about its truth. It's easy for me to talk about the truth. Maybe when you're in your city group, it's easy to do. But what about around the water cooler in the office, around the bonfire in the neighborhood, or at an extended family gathering? It's like when it's convenient or it's inconvenient, we are called to be able to share the truth uh, in both seasons. I love how Warren Wearsby puts it. He says this, it is easy to make excuses when we ought to be making opportunities. And so it's important for us to share his truth in season and out of season. But how do we do it? And what temperature shall we share the truth? And he gives us this right here. Let's go to the next one. It says, um, that we do, that we share the truth with both reproof, rebuke, and exhortation. Reproof, rebuke, and exhort. And, and what I love is, um, uh, you know, earlier in this book, we've talked about the importance of sharing with grace and truth, but then he kind of helps us a little more and gives us these three ingredients as we preach, as we share the gospel, as we share the hope and the power of Jesus and what that means. So another way to look at these three words as you study each of them in their language is to help you if, you, if you're taking notes, is, is, you know, reproof is that correction, rebuke is this conviction, and exhort is compassion. And this word right here is, uh, how, how do I say that again? It's a parakaleo in the original language. And I love this because this right here is the idea of coming alongside someone with compassion. We come alongside them with compassion as we're sharing with them, as they're wrestling with things that they struggle with, with what it says. And okay, so instead of just blasting them with it, we're coming alongside with them with, compa- with compassion. I love how an old preacher saying goes like this, but this is for all of us when, when we're sharing his truth, is that when we share truth, we should afflict the comfortable, if you're taking notes, and comfort the afflicted. I should have made a slide for that. But we should afflict the comfortable... And comfort the afflicted. So if someone is just kind of, you know, just kind of chilling in the ways of the world and and going against God's truth, we are not supposed to just leave them in a comfortable state. That would be unloving. We need to share with them truth. But also, if they are feeling convicted and they're starting to make the correction, we don't just keep blasting them and keep out a remedy to help come alongside of them with compassion as they wrestle with it. And then as we're doing this, this is also really important. Go to the next one here. It says that as we're doing all of this, we're supposed to do it with complete patience in teaching. And if it was the Travis Whitaker version, I maybe would have put with little patience in teaching. You know, but of course, Paul had to put in complete patience in teaching. Because I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I just want to like take someone and just shake their head and be like, are you serious? Why don't you see this? Don't you see that you're going to destroy your life? Don't you see that the way of the world right here is going to completely take you off the track? Don't you see how it's going to destroy your marriage? Don't you see how it's going to, it's just, what are we doing? And then sometimes, you know, I deal with this every week. I feel like I deal with this every week. Sometimes people hear the truth and they get angry and they get frustrated. And they just like, you'll never see him again. Sometimes they hear the truth and they get frustrated and they get angry. And then sometimes they'll come back. And it's just like, oh, and sometimes you get to see the fruit of speaking truth, and sometimes you do. Sometimes you'll never see it until the other side of heaven. I remember years ago, Jen and I were just um, starting our marriage, and we were living in Virginia. And it feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it, what we were 
23 or something like that. And um, we're down in Virginia, and we were leading a city group, what we would call a city group. And one of the evenings, um, after we'd get together and do our thing, then the guys and the girls would separate. And in that uh, group, uh, one of the ladies uh, started to share with the other ladies in the group that she was having an emotional affair in the office and was getting closer to a physical affair. And then after she shared the story, she says, but don't tell your husbands. Okay, so what are the ladies going to do now? I mean, the information's already out there. So obviously they all tell their husbands, like, what do we do? And so then we talked and did some coaching and thinking, what is our next step? And we, so we, Jen and the other ladies called her and said, hey, you really need to tell your husband. And we're not going to have group next week unless you share with your husband. So I came to the next week, and she still had not done that, and then I canceled the group, which then obviously made her very frustrated, some other people in the group frustrated, and, but what it, did it do? It made her share with her husband what she was doing, which then led to a separation, and talk about complete patience. Uh, my friend, my brother, just, man, because, I mean, I wasn't going to have my friend come into my home while I know this information and just pretend like nothing's going to happen. I just couldn't do it. Um, but he was so patient, and he took care of her, set her up in an apartment so, her, so that she could kind of wrestle and deal with what she was dealing with. So months go on, and then I'll never forget, Jen and I went to the church we were, we were going to, and we went to the different service than we normally would go to, because just like us, they had a, a couple services. And we walked into the service, and we noticed her up near the front. And I was starting to get like, oh, my goodness, like she's going to come over here and like punch me in the face, or who knows, like I'm like freaking out. Um, and after service, she bolted up to Jen and I, and she just said, I just want you to know that I've rededicated my life to Jesus, and I just want to let you know, I just want to say thank you guys for speaking truth boldly when I didn't want to hear it, and it wasn't popular. And I don't say that to be like, oh, look at Jen and I, I brag, brag, brag. No, I'm just saying, like, God's word will never return void. And sometimes it's difficult to share truth when people don't want to hear it. But think of what's on the line if we don't. And so it's so, so important for us to be consistent in the talk. We need to be consistent in the talk. We need to be consistent in sharing the truth. And so where have you been potentially inconsistent in sharing God's truth? Maybe where have you been watering down God's word and not speaking the truth? Or maybe where have you only been choosing convenient times to talk about the truth instead of the difficult ones? Where have you maybe given up on others and you're not being patient when they don't listen right away? Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. Keep praying for them. Keep speaking truth if they'll hear you and love. And in those three ways and those ingredients that Paul has reminded us. Next, let's keep going. Verse 3, it says this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Remember when Paul was writing this around in the, in the 30 AD range, we're in that time. We're experiencing that time right now. Uh, they will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. And the original language here, it's almost this idea of like, I want more of the massage than the message. Give me more of the sugar plums and lollipops, the feel good. Like what makes me feel good, like what's politically correct in a sense. Like I give me more of that, the itching ears. And it says that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. 
That word accumulate is an action. Like I'm going to accumulate. I'm going to go gather. Literally working hard not to chase truth but to chase the ways of the world and to get as many other people to just kind of like, do you affirm what I believe? Do you see what I'm seeing? Do you see what I'm feeling? And they're just accumulating and gathering, putting effort into getting to surround themselves with false teaching to just appease and affirm their beliefs that are against God's word. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And you got to remember this. Who's Paul writing to? He's not writing to people outside the church walls. He's writing to people inside the church, inside, in here. And so it's the reminder that we have people throughout the centuries that will go to church, but then the truth of God's word doesn't completely take root. And then they get drifted off. And many of you in our church as leaders in our church, you've seen it, you've watched it, you're watching it right now, and it breaks your heart. It's one of the hardest things about being a part of a church is seeing it not take root in people's lives. It's only for a season, and then, and it's gone. And so, it's so important. Uh, this is also another great reminder um, that, think about it, Paul, think about this. Paul feels like he has to write this. He has to share this warning. And this is only like 30 years after Jesus died, rose again, and ascended into heaven. Think about that. And here we are over 2,000 years later. I mean, think about how much more rampant in a way we've gone from the truth. It's insane. But what's insane and also another evidence of that God's word is truth is that it's lasted all this time. The fact that it's lasted the Roman Empire, for heaven's sakes. I wrote this down. God's word has never let up or let down. God's word has never let up or let down. And so we need to be consistent in the times. Not only in the talk and the truth, but we need to be consistent in the times, no matter which times we're going with. Listen, the word of God, his message never changes. His message never changes. Yes, the method might shift and change like it has, but the message is still concrete. A lot of times what I think what has happened in our view or worldviews is we think that God's word, if you think about the timeline from the past to the future and to where we're heading, sometimes I think we, we have this, the, this thought that, okay, the Bible's got to kind of keep up with the times. And it's like, this got that's not how it is. This is the anchor. And here's the timeline of life. This stays constant, this stays true, this never deflates, this never goes out of style. It stays constant with the times, and it's truth. It's unbelievable. And so we have to, no matter what, even as things continually shift, we need to be consistent even no matter the times that we face. And so no matter the false teachings that rise up, no matter the popular opinion or what feels good, we must be consistent in those times. Where are you potentially getting off track and absorbing more of the world instead of his word. And then in the last verse here, um, we're going to see not only to be consistent in time, but then he encourages us to be consistent in the task. To be consistent in the task. He's going to give us four uh, simple things, but sometimes hard for us to hear uh, um, in in this last verse, in verse 5. Here's what he says. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And notice, I highlighted all these words of being consistent. Keep going, don't stop, keep moving, always, endure, do it, fulfill it. He just is emphasizing this. He says, always be sober-minded. 
This is this idea of being level-headed. And Jesus following in the room, like, seriously, like, one of the parts of this, when you dive into the word sober-mindedness, being level-headed, I mean, it's literally like, don't get drunk. Don't get drunk in the mind. Don't get fanatical when it comes to preaching the truth. And sometimes I see this happening in different people, whether they've been following Jesus for a long time or they followed him just for a little bit. All of a sudden, they start, like, being someone who they're really not, trying to be maybe more intellectual, or they almost start talking like they're in the first century. And then no one wants to talk to you or be around you because you come off as a fanatic and you have to be careful to be sober-minded and level-headed so that you still stay relevant with who is around you so that you can share the truth so that you have a voice in people's lives. But it can be really easy for us sometimes as Jesus followers to come off as holier than thou. And that's a danger because then no one wants, you don't get a voice. And in a sense, they cancel you. And so it's so important for us to be Jesus followers that are sober-minded. Let's not get drunk or fanatical about it. Yes, we are all in about it, but there's the approach. Uh, Endure suffering, right? I mean, we've talked about this many times last week, right? We talked about how we can't escape suffering. It's always going to come. You can't escape it. But when we suffer for Jesus, what does it do? We talked about it last week. What does it do? When we suffer for Jesus, it, it, it produces endurance, And not only endurance, but then it produces character. And then not only character, but it produces hope for you and for those around you. The the last one I just want to focus on is, is this one, is do the work of an evangelist. To do the work of an evangelist. And some of you, your grace gifts, like we talked about it earlier in the series, some of you have the grace gift of an evangelist. Like you have that like, hey, stand on a stage with a microphone and just proclaim to everyone the truth or you're ready to talk to your neighbors about it. It's like you just have that in you. But all of us, notice it says do the work of an evangelist. You might not be an evangelist. You might not have that spiritual gift as an evangelist. But all of us are called as Jesus followers to do the work of what an evangelist does. And sometimes the simplicity of doing the work of an evangelist is just the power of the invite. Man, the power of inviting someone, because what does the power of the invite do? One, it brings it up, and then sometimes they show up and sometimes they don't, but it brings up the conversation. Let's say it's inviting them to your city group. Let's say that's inviting them to your coaching group. Let's say that's inviting them to a Sunday morning experience. Man, the power of an invite is unbelievable. I think of, um, I think of um, this past Christmas, uh, sitting there with my hairdresser. She's cutting my hair and I invited her and she's like, okay, maybe I'll check it out. And then we, we worked that night and I was like, okay. And then the snowstorm came and then they shut down early and then she showed up with her sister and they both rose their hands and put their faith in Jesus. Someone invited their friend to Christmas, this past Christmas service, and they got dunked today. This is incredible. And so just the power of the invite. And so just, just a little uh, reminder Uh, We've got some big things coming up. We've got our Good Friday service, 5.30 and 7 o'clock right here. This is going to be a reverent time of discovering uh, what Jesus did for us and what he walked through for us with the crucifixion and the betrayal. This is going to be a really powerful time focusing on, on what Jesus did for us and why he died for us. And then on Sunday, right, we've got our uh, Easter services. Uh, Mark this down. We're switching just for Easter Sunday. Uh, for 8.30, 10, and 11.30. So we have three service times. The main reason why we're doing that is, 
One, you don't want to be in too crowded of a room. But it's not only for the adults, it's for the kids. Our kids can only handle so much up there with the size of it. And so we really needed to spread that out. And so, Miles City family, please, I'm begging you, listen to me. If you call this place your home, I really need you to wake up early, okay? I need you to come into the 830 or sleep in, and I want you to come to the 1130, okay? Leave this for our guests, okay? Really important. Except for if you call this place your home, I want you to come to the 10 o'clock service if someone decides to come and sit with you. And man, don't be, please come to the 10. If someone decides to come and sit with you, I really want to encourage you to come to the 10 o'clock service. Um, The power of the invite, it's so, so important. Uh, Would everyone grab your phones out? Grab your phone, and I want you to go to your messages. Yeah, you you can get that. That's fine. That's cool. That's good. Now, um, grab your message, or go to your messages, and then I want you to start a new message. So open up a new message, and then go to the script. And here's what I want to challenge us all to do. I, I gave you a little template here to type this in. And so Jesus followers in the room, this is for you. This is just a sample. Hey, fill in the blank who that person is. Hey, I'm sitting in church this morning and I realized Easter's only three Sundays away. If you don't have plans, I would love for you and your family to come sit with me at Miles City. You free April 9th. Make sure you end it with a question. Are you free? Question mark. Put the question out there. The power of the invite can change someone's life forever. Um, we did this in first service and someone texted me. They're, they screenshotted what they did for a friend and I got permission and they said, she, was, she asked her friend and then her friend responded in this moment that you're doing right now. She says, hey, Sherry, yes, I would love to. Is that the same place where that women's gathering that you invited me to was? So already someone that is searching and doesn't know about the hope of Jesus for her life is hoping we'll see her here on Sunday the power of the invite. And so what I want you to do for the rest of the time, if you are a Jesus follower in this room, I want you to just prayerfully right now be thinking about going through your contacts. Who could you invite? Who could you invite? Hey, they're, they're waiting for your invitation. I just, wanted you to, I just want you to know that. Have the courage. And so use this time to grab your phone and think about who you could invite. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower in the room, I know that's kind of weird. You're like, I'm not gonna grab my phone and text someone. So if you are a Jesus follower in the room, then if you're not doing that, I don't know why. Um, But if you are not a Jesus follower and you're here today, I just want to talk to you today. One, I just want to say thank you for coming today. Like, thank you for taking a risk. I don't know why you stepped into the room. I don't know if someone, like, drug you here. Maybe it was because someone got baptized and you're just here. And you're just like, what is this whole thing? This is all you need to hear because this is the most important thing that you could ever hear. I want you to know this, that there is a God, there is a creator that loves you so much. And he wants a real relationship with you. That's why he created you real, as a real person, not as a robot. But because he created you and I as a real person and not a robot, he had to create the opposite. So that's why there's good, that's why there's evil, that's why there's light, that's why there's darkness. And all of us, because we're humans, we've fallen short and we've grabbed onto darkness and we've grabbed onto evil at some point in in our lives. That's called sin. That's called mess. That's called flaw. We've all grabbed it. And so because we've grabbed onto it just once, it separates us from a holy, pure, loving God. So now what are we going to do? 
what are you gonna do? How are you gonna erase your sin? How are you gonna erase your, your flaw? Are you gonna try to be a good enough person? Are you gonna try to earn it somehow? You can't. And God knew you couldn't. So what did God do? He sent his one and only son 2,000 years ago, a real historical figure, this isn't made up, who walked this earth. Just like George Washington was the first president of the United States, Jesus Christ of Nazareth walked this earth, lived a perfect life, proclaimed that he was God, and he predicted that he would die and rise again. Why would he have to die? Because someone had to pay the penalty for all of our mess. And that's why Jesus died. But he didn't just die. He literally did what he said he was going to do. And three days later, he literally rose from the dead. I mean, this isn't a joke. I mean, this literally happened. There's so much evidence of this. It's unbelievable. Do the research. It really happened. He rose from the dead. And then he made it really clear that all who call on me to be their savior, I will save them from the penalty of sin through their belief and through their faith. All who call upon me will be saved. And I, listen, I know that's like, wow, but that's the most important thing you could ever hear. And maybe you're tuning that out, or maybe just maybe some of you are leaning in a little bit. I don't think that's by accident. That's the power of God moving in your life because he's been trying to wake you up for a long time. And he wants to start that real relationship with you today. And that could happen today, right now in this moment simply through your faith. So I'm just gonna ask all of us to just bow our heads and just close our eyes for this moment. And if you're a Jesus follower, just be praying. If that's you, if you say, you know what, Travis, I, I've been tuning that message out for a long time, but something's clicking today. And I know that the ways of the world have been killing me and it's not working and I'm done. And I want to put my faith in Jesus today. I don't understand it all, but today I believe I want to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to be bold. If that's you, if there's something stern in you, if that's you, then I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm not going to call you out. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. I'm going to stay on the stage. You're going to stay in your seat. I'm going to count to three. If you say yes, today's the day. I want to say yes to Jesus. I'm done with the ways of the world. I want to say yes to Jesus. One, two, three. Just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Amen. Amen over here. Amen over here. I see you. Anyone else? If you've already put your hand up, you can put it down. Anyone else? Say, I want to say yes to Jesus. You're not alone. Okay, for those of you that rose your hands, this is incredible. This is the best decision you've ever made in your life. Real conversation between you and God. I just want you to say this. Just say, Heavenly Father, I'm done with the ways of the world. Just say that in your own heart. I'm done with the ways of the world. Just tell them that. Today, I put my faith in you. Forgive me of my sin. I just confess it. I lay it down. You know I'm a mess. I'm laying it all down to you right now. Just tell them that in your own way. And then with gratitude, just thank them. Say, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again for me to give me life. Tell them that. And then with your faith, just say, right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be the king of my life. Just say that. 
Right now, I receive you, Jesus, to be my master, to be my savior. As we keep praying, listen, if you really meant that, like seriously meant that for the first time, then God made it really clear in his scriptures that you now will no longer perish away from him forever, but now you will have everlasting life and your life truly begins right now. What a gift, what a gift. There's a party going on in heaven right now for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of knowing you. Help us to be consistent with how we share your truth and the way that you've modeled for us to share your, your, your truth. And we love you and we pray this in the power of your son's name. Amen, amen. Can we just join with the angels in heaven with celebrating people coming to know Jesus today, this service, last service. It's incredible. God is on the move. He is working. He's working. He is working. And so I just want to ask you all to stand up. And as you stand up, listen, if you made that decision, I want to ask you to do one more bold thing. Please tell someone. Please tell someone. Just like Emmanuel did, and he ran up to me, the service that he came and gave his life to Jesus. You come and tell, tell someone, you can tell me, you can tell any team member with the lanyard. If you, that's not your jam, you can um, text 94,000 um, to, to Miles City. And man, why? Because we want to celebrate with you. And man, I'm sure you have questions, and the church is the place where we get our questions answered. And so we want to help you with those questions.